I'm preaching today on the dynamics of uh, a miracle. And, uh, you know, we've been preaching miracles, healing, deliverance ever since we started in our ministry. Our family uh, has experienced so many miraculous things. And I sort of grew up in a family that believed in the supernatural. Not sort of, very much so. Um, my, my mother was healed of uh, terminal cancer in 1954. I was talking to uh, some doctor friends of mine from Tulsa. We were talking about her case, which you can find in the medical journals. Harvard, was it Harvard Medical Journal, uh, did a paper on her case, on her particular case, uh, many years ago. And I'm assuming we could probably look that up online somewhere by now. You know, I'm sure they put everything on there. But uh, her case was quite interesting because um, they found melanoma on, on my mom. Uh, somebody told me the other day about a guy that had one melanoma growth on, on his leg or somewhere. And uh, it was quite, quite amazing and invasive what they had to do to, to ensure that you know, they took out enough of uh, flesh and so forth around it to make sure that everything was good. And, and uh, quite a case with just it's sort of a fight for your life with one. My mother had 49 they identified 49 melanoma tumors on her body. They had them from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in the palms of her hands. Now, they're quite faded, but now you can see the uh, scars from surgery in my mom's hands if she holds them out. Of course, you know, you as a kid, you, you, you memorize your mom's hands, right? And you know every mark and place on them. And I remember asking her when I was a kid, what's that from, you know? I thought, well, she had a rough childhood, you know. She had some, some interesting gouges there. And she said, no, that's where they removed the, the cancer from my hands. It, it scraped it out off the bottoms of her feet, her scalp, uh, her, her, her body. After 49 separate little, little surgeries... They gave up and said, well, it's in your bloodstream. It's spreading to every organ in your body. By the time she ended up in the hospital, she had turned completely yellow. And uh, they said, well, their liver's going and it'll just be a matter of time. You'll slip into a coma. You better say goodbye to all your friends. Uh, some, some of our preachers, I'm sorry to say, I am sorry to tell you that some of our preachers in our own denomination here actually said horrible things to her. I'm thinking they forgot the declaration of faith and said, well, maybe your death will cause your father to come to the Lord. They knew he wasn't saved. My mother, without any real teaching on the subject much other than what she believed, said, well, if Jesus' death isn't enough to bring him in, what, how would mine add anything to it? I'm certainly not the lamb slain before the foundation. I'm certainly not any perfect specimen to be bleeding for someone. That's ridiculous. So thank God she knew better than to just listen to that and you know, spout it out. And uh, so she was standing in faith as best she knew with her prayers. 
And uh, one night at the Crawford W. Long Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, on the eighth floor, a figure dressed in white entered my mother's room and uh, said to her, Don't worry, daughter, everything's going to be fine. Went out the wall of the eighth floor. Came in the door, went out the wall. Now, when someone goes out the wall, you know something supernatural is occurring. Amen. And uh, so it's either God or the devil, right? You've got to figure out who. And I don't think the devil comes to give encouraging words. And so anyway, uh, it wasn't long after that. The next day, they said, you're dying today. This is it. Say bye to your mom, bye to your husband, bye to everybody. This is three years before I was born. And, uh, and she said, no, I'm not dying. And they said, why do you, why do you say that? Then they said, well, it's gone to her brain. She's talking nonsense. A nurse actually said that to her. You're, she's gone to her brain talking nonsense. She said, no, Jesus came in my room last night. And I, I received a healing. Well, there wasn't any immediate change, but she didn't die that night. She didn't die the next. Pretty soon her color got good and she felt well enough. They sent her home after about two weeks. They said, well, you'll be back. We'll reserve you a bed. Sometimes folks get better right before the end. What such encouraging words. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, she didn't go back. And after a while, they couldn't find it. And they said, well, it's hiding somewhere. Well, apparently it's still hiding. That was 1954. This is 2015. And she, they still can't find any. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus really did heal her. Miraculous. After 17 years, we had a real creative Church of God preacher that was writing insurance on the side, you know, to supplement his salary. And he figured out a creative way to get her a life insurance policy. I don't know. I don't want to say he lied, but, you know, I don't know what happened. But somehow they were able to get her a life insurance policy um, with, with that on her health record. But uh, so I said all that reminds you of that testimony. You've heard it before. It, it's always good to hear it, isn't it? Amen. I was born three years later, which was another miracle because they said, we don't know where you carried the baby. Your womb is basically a dried up potato. So we don't know how that happened. And my mom said, well, you told me I couldn't live either. So we don't, I don't listen much to what you say. So thank God, you know, we grew up then believing that all things truly, you know, from the word, but also from experience, that all things are possible to him that believeth. Those words are ever bit as true today as they ever have been. With God, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, somebody might say, well, you know, if you've been given a really bad report like, uh, you know, there's no hope or whatever, you need to face reality. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, sometimes when you're the guy in faith, people will say you're in denial. Say, no, we're not in denial. We're in Florida. The Nile is in Africa somewhere. We don't have the Nile. It's a bad joke, isn't it? But uh, corn cornball humor. And I go, no, we're not in denial. <laughs> Never been there. We're out. We're delivered from Egypt. Thank God. We're not in denial. 
Hallelujah. Well, I've often said this. You heard me say it, I think, Wednesday night. I said, well, what have you got to lose just to go for broke, believe in God? If, if everything you hear and all the reports that you have is there's no hope, there's nothing you can do, why not become the nut that just believes the Word? Amen. Well, folks won't understand. Well, let me tell you what folks will do. Folks will, will talk you into reason, end up burying you, and go to Six Flags the next week. That's just sad but kind of true, isn't it? So, you know, I used to tell them at healing school there in Tulsa, they'd say, well, I don't want to go home for Thanksgiving because Aunt Myrtle gets me and she talks me out of my faith. I said, well, don't go home then. Just stand in faith. Well, she won't understand. And I said, well, what do you want? You want your healing or you want Aunt Myrtle to understand? So, uh, you know, maybe just see Aunt Myrtle after your healing's manifested. Praise God. People look at you like you've just cursed the Pope. Or something, you know, said the Pope wasn't Catholic. Of course, this new one, we wonder, you know, we don't know what he is, but um, we think he's a universalist, to be honest. But um, I guess there's hope for him, too. But, um, you know, we thank God for the word. We stand on the word. Amen. And I'll tell you, like I've said before, that. Sometimes all you have for confirmation is the ink on the paper. So, you know, it's good to thank God for the feelings that we have in church. I had a good feeling this morning. Did you when we were worshiping? You could sense the spirit of God with us. You could sense his presence. Pour out your 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 heart, your spirit to him. You could sense him ministering to you. But there's times when you don't feel anything of that. Anybody been there? There's times when you when you don't feel anything. If you went by how you felt, you'd wonder if God exists. So we thank God for feelings, but yet we don't depend on them. Now it's not it's not every Pentecostal preacher that'll tell you that. They'll they'll really put an emphasis on the feeling part. But the, the problem with that is I've just grown up seeing too many people at the altar distraught because they couldn't get a feeling back that they had had at one service or at the time they got saved or filled with the Holy Ghost or whatever happened. And then that, that euphoric you know feeling has lifted because life has beat the snot out of them. And, uh, and they're going, well, maybe the Lord's left me. And then they start praying all kinds of unscriptural stuff. Holy Spirit, don't leave me. Crazy things like that. Then somebody writes a song about it and they're singing it. Horrible. Just really bad. You know, that's that. You know, I said God should put a gong. Remember the gong show? Anybody? I said God should just supernaturally hang a gong in every church. And every time somebody gets up to say or sing or pray something unscript, unscript, unscriptural, they ought, God just ought to automatically have an angel hit that gong and then they're off the platform. Praise the Lord. Or the words, you know, up, you know, you have words uh, like uh, subtitles just hang in the air. He's lying. He's lying. I never said that. You know, the false prophet. Not true. <laughs> That's right. It's not true. But thank God uh, today that we have. Thank God we have the word. So if you hear me say it once, you'll hear it a thousand times, ten thousand times. Stand on the word, folks. 
when you have certain, you know, yesterday, Sheree and I were sitting at the breakfast table and, uh, and uh, we had our devotion. We started reading it. And then we started praying. Then we started praising. And I'll tell you what, heaven really came down and right in our kitchen. I mean, we just started, we just started shouting glory to God. The Bible says in Romans 4 that uh, uh, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That what he promised, he's able also to perform. You know, you don't have to believe you don't have to believe sickness out of your body. You don't have to believe poverty out of your finances. All you have to believe is that God is able to do what He promised. Amen. And you really think about it, that's kind of the basis of, of, of Christianity, isn't it? He that comes to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Amen? I don't have to put up a huge, big old fight against anything. I just sit there and sat there in our kitchen and Sheree and I lifted our hands and said, Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. What you shouting for? How can somebody with with such a bad medical report praise the Lord? How can somebody with other challenges praise the Lord? Like me, you know, I mean I canceled all of my meetings to to I, you get the benefit of that because I'm here every Sunday. Have you noticed I've been here like really a long time without fail? But you know, we're just uh, just here. But you, you know, it's it's it, it's uh, I'm not even going to confess that. But praise God, you know, we're believing God. I put it that way. In every area, you can imagine that, right? And so uh, you know, canceled everything and staying home and helping Cherie. Praise the Lord! Aren't you glad uh, that uh, that God's being able uh, to help us to do that? But at the same time, you know, we're sitting there, so somebody might look at our situation and go, "Well, your wife is sick, and you you, you can't go out and and preach and do the things that you need to do and other things." So, uh, what have you got to praise the Lord for? Are you kidding? I got this whole word cover to cover to praise Him. Amen. Glory to God. What are you giving glory to God for? That what He's promised, He's able also to perform. He looks over His word to perform it. He is, His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher in that He doesn't allow His word to return unto Him void. Amen? And so I can stand on the Word. I can believe God. I can trust in Him even though uh, there are something coming against it. Well, how many's lived long enough to know there's always something coming against it? Some people think, well, if I get over this, you know, then I'll be fine. You're never completely fine as long as you're on this earth. But what we do have is victory in Jesus. The... Trials or the 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 uh, the problems the Bible says of the righteous, the trials of the righteous are many. The afflictions of the righteous are many, and the Lord just lets you sit there and flop and stew in it. Is that what it says? And 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 give you a thumbs up and say good luck. Let us know how it goes. No, the Lord delivers him from them all. Amen. So no matter what we're going through, what we're walking through, there's always victory. There's always deliverance. And I'll tell you, we get the victory in our soul. We don't get the victory from the natural report of the world. We get our victory from the Word. Can you say amen? Amen. So we learned 
how to believe God for miracles. Well, we'll get right into the message here. You know, the first miracle that is recorded, it says the first recorded miracle, so we wouldn't know there could have been others that he performed. Mary obviously knew something here in Cana. Uh, I don't know if he'd done something with the beans or the spaghetti or whatever to multiply, but uh, she knew he could turn this water into wine. And so let's read there at John 2 the story and we'll see some things about the dynamics of a miracle. Would you like to know that you could have something to do with a miracle in your life? You could actually contribute to that miracle coming to pass. It's not just we stand here and sovereign God decides to just dump one on us or not. But, but no, we can, if we have his word on it and it's part of redemption, we can reach out to him and expect to receive. And I just want to show you that. Uh, John 2, 1, the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So they're invited to this social occasion. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, before you get all huffy about Jesus turning water into wine, let me remind you of something. Nobody there had a problem. Here's why. Jesus is Jewish, so there's not a problem with the wine. Mary's Catholic, right? Everybody knows that. They don't have a problem. And the day of Pentecost hadn't come, so there weren't any Pentecostals to tell them they were going to hell. So, the wine's not an issue. All right. So, the, that's a sad joke, isn't it? It's kind of true. Jesus, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Well, that's just what he thought. Mama thought something else. Now, I've often said, why are mothers this way? Why do mothers speak up and say things in front of God and everybody in front of you? And uh, I have a, a, a insight into that. It's revenge, folks. It's revenge for the pain of childbirth. They're going to take this out on you till you die. Amen. Okay, that's another bad joke. You got to keep it light, you know, sometimes. Well, anyway, uh, just just kidding, of course. But anyway, she just, I don't know, Mary just hauled off and decided that it was time for his, who he really was to, to be shown. And he says, I'm not ready. And she just bypassed his objections. Can you imagine that? And uh, she just stopped talking to Jesus, turned to the servants. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, and this is one of the foundational keys to receiving a supernatural touch from God, to receiving a miracle. Now, do you realize that there is no miracle in the Bible, Old or New Testament, that did not have man's cooperation for it to come to pass, with the exception of creation? God did that one all by himself. Amen? The Bible says that we know in Romans, that the, uh, I'm sorry, in Hebrews, we know that the, the worlds were created 
by the Word of God. Amen. So he created my Sunday school teachers, bless their hearts. Some, some of them got a little creative and carried away and taught us that the earth was like a giant ball of Play-Doh. And God took his finger and made the rivers and smooshed up some other parts and made the mountains. And that's completely false. That is not the way to teach children creation. It says that he spoke the worlds into existence. The Bible says that clearly in Genesis. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. We need to get that right from the beginning. Amen? It's hard for us to imagine that God could just, could just speak out something and just say it, and then it comes to pass. God said, and it was so. And so God did that. And uh, so since the creation of the world, you can see there that then there was no other miracle that was created, that was done, that God didn't have man's cooperation. Past creation. Isn't that something? You say, well, what about the parting of the Red Sea? Glad you brought that up. God spoke to Moses. Moses is standing there saying, what do I do? God said, why are you crying to me about it for? That's what he said. Why are you crying after me? He said, take the rod that I've given you, which represents authority, and part the water. So we think, well, did Moses part the water or did God part the water? Well, God's power was what was the active ingredient. But it was also obedience of Moses. And Moses could have stood there day and night and say, well, that seems stupid. That's another clue I just gave you. Whatever you need, the seed for your miracle. When I say seed, I'm not talking about a financial seed. I'm talking about the seed of obedience. I'm talking about obeying God, doing what He's led you to do. Sometimes that seems uh, ridiculous. God says, do this, and you go, well, that's ridiculous. But let me tell you, whatever miracle you need in your life, you already have the seed for it. The seed of obedience. Praise God. What are we going to obey? Well, we're going to obey the voice of the Spirit. It's not like an obedience that we begrudge or is hard. Sometimes it's so simple, it insults our intelligence. I'm telling you. Moses is standing here. He's got the army behind him and the sea in front of him. And the answer is, put your rod out over it. There's not even any fishing tackle on that rod. He can't even feign fishing. He can't even make it look like I'm just casting to see what I can catch. No, he has this rod. It's like the, it's like the rod that you see at, uh, at an airport with Japanese tourists. And they're walking with a rod. You ever seen that with an orange flag at the end so everybody can see the leader? And, you know, because everybody's taking pictures of everything, right? And, and uh, I mean, I've seen folks take pictures with Ronald McDonald, you know. I mean, it's crazy. So taking pictures and they got a leader. That's the kind of rod that uh, Moses has. He's got this leadership rod and God says, part the sea. Yeah, and can you see how his head may have had... Dr- no, Lord, I'm the leader here. They're going to wonder, what is he doing? What is he doing? Whatever is he doing? What's wrong with this man? He's, you know, we got an army behind us and he's hitting the water with a rod. He didn't even hit the water. He just held it over. He did it in the sea parted. Amen. So with God, you think, well, why is that? Well, God's given us authority. First thing he said to Adam, what's the first thing he said to Adam to do? Do without sacrifice, bump along? No, he said, take dominion over the, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and all those things. Take dominion over it. 
And so because God's given us dominion when it comes to dealing with things here, then we have authority to deal with it. You know, whenever I get challenged and trust me, we get challenged. I'll go to the Lord and I say, what what should I say about this? What scripture should I quote? What word? What should I do? What phone call should I make? What letter should I write? What should I do? What action should I take? Amen. To uh, to deal with this situation. And uh, if you'll obey the Lord and, and whatever you have in your hand, that's what he's given you to deal with it. You remember the story of the we'll get back to the winemaking here in a minute. Praise God. I want to speak too much about that in the church of God. Uh, and have, you know, called in on the carpet. But um, <laughs> but, um, you know, with. Um, with the idea of, 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 of obedience to, to what we call the command of faith. If you look at every single miracle from Old Testament to New, there was always a command of faith. God would even sometimes say, prophesy to the wind or just say this to this situation or do this. Remember the woman that they, she was so in debt that they were going to come and take the kids as slaves. Remember that? And, um, the prophet of God said to her, what have you got in the house? She says, well, I've just got a little oil and some, some containers. And he said, we'll start pouring out of the cruise of oil. And uh, she poured and poured and poured and God multiplied that and, until she had enough to sell. He said, is there more? Go borrow some, uh, some containers from your neighbors. So she did that and there wasn't any more to borrow. There wasn't any more to do. And so finally the oil stopped and they counted it up and it was enough to pay the debt. What a miracle. Amen. What if she'd have said, well, I don't see what good that'll do. That seems stupid. That seems stupid. And that's our uh, thing of the, the idea that the, 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 the greatest hindrance to receiving a miracle from God is human reasoning. I'm telling you, your head will get in the way every time. And you'll think, well, that, that seems... That seems just futile. I've known people that, you know, they've taken all their bills and laid hands on them. It doesn't mean they're not working. It doesn't mean they're not, you know, doing what they should do. But have you ever done all you should do and it still isn't enough? Have you ever been there? <laughs> Some folks working day and night and still not enough. And I've heard, you know, the Lord say, take a little bottle of oil, anoint those bills. Speak to them. Or whatever. Sometimes it's something else. There's no set formula, thank God. Aren't you glad this isn't First Church of the Formula? Amen. Can't stand that. Well, this is the three things I did, so try that. No, thank you. No, we hear from God. Let me tell you, you if you're saved, you got the Spirit of God inside of you, you can hear from God. People go around saying, I can't hear from God. I said, shut up. Don't ever say that again. Somebody said, I wish you wouldn't say shut up. We teach our children that's rude. It is rude. That's why we say it to the devil. Amen. <laughs> okay, be quiet. It's nicer. Be quiet. But uh, 
Don't ever say that again. Don't ever confess that. Don't, don't go around saying, well, I can't hear from God. I guess I'm dense. I guess I'm a dummy. I can't, I can't hear. No, you can. Praise God. You are His sheep. He's our shepherd. Another we will not follow. You can hear the voice of God. I had one guy one time was driving around in a car. Young, young guy was mentoring in the ministry and he said, uh, he said, I, Brother Horton, he says, I, I just don't really seem to hear from God much. I mean, I love the Lord and I, I want to hear. I just don't seem to hear. I, can, you, can you give me a clue? We're in a car. We can't even hardly talk because he's got the radio blaring so loud. And then I went to his house one time. Me and his wife had, me, had us over for a meal and they got the TV on blaring. And I noticed every time I'm around him, he's got noise. I said, do you ever turn off your TV? No, sometimes we'd go off from the house and leave it on. I said, well, because it's always on. And the radios, I said, no, when you drive. Yeah, well, I'm listening to the Word. I'm listening to Christian music or whatever, you know. I said, I don't care what you're listening. I don't care if you're listening to the Howdy Doody show. You know, or whatever. It doesn't matter what you're listening to. Sometimes, if you're going to hear somebody else talk, there has to be silence on one side or the other. Amen? So I've said, do you ever just drive in your car and turn off everything and just have quiet? That's a good time to hear from God. Amen? God is always speaking to us. He really is. And it's just up to us to kind of get quiet and still and listen to His voice. He will tell you what to do. Amen? Notice again, Mary, back to here. Whatever, verse 5, we'll go back to the winemaking. Don't call the state office, even though this is in the Bible. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. There's a big clue right there. Whatever he says, just do it. I've I've got a CD series that we entitled, Just Do It. Don't hesitate. Just do it. Do what the Lord says. Amen? R.W. Schambach, anybody remember him, a great tent preacher? He said, you know, he had like seven open heart surgeries for, for clogged everything, you know. He's driving on the turnpike in New Jersey. The whole state's a turnpike, I just thought I'd tell you. Almost. <laughs> they do have farms still. But uh, he's on the New Jersey Turnpike, you know, Newark or somewhere. He's driving across there. And uh, he starts having these heart symptoms and the devil speaks to him and says, Yeah, it's another one. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna croak and they're going to have to come find you. You're going to run the car off the bridge, probably kill somebody. You know, he's having these horrible, horrible thoughts. And then he's also having the, the symptoms to go with it. And he told the devil, he said, you're a liar. You can't, you don't have the power to kill me. And the devil keeps talking to him, you know, this horrible thought. And he's, he's thinking, he said, he said, Lord, what do I do? Now, that's a good prayer to pray, folks. You ever thought about that when things get tough? You ever thought about the prayer? Here's a big, deep, heavy duty prayer. Lord, what do I do? <laughs> that's heavy, isn't it? Boy, you need PhDs from seminaries and cemeteries. And everywhere else to answer that one. Lord, what do I do about this? If you'll ask the Lord, what do I do? He'll tell you what to do. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to not help you. He's trying to lead you. 
and help you. Praise God. God is our helper. I will always say the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? Well, Brother Horton, would you like the short list of whom shall I fear? <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't matter who's on that list. Whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? The Lord, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my help. So Brother Shambach said, Lord, what do I do? Well, he felt an impression. So he pulls the car over on the New Jersey Turnpike and notices there's mile markers. He gets out with heart symptoms and runs as hard as he can a mile up to the next one and back. Got back and told the devil, see there, told you you couldn't kill me. <laughs> well, what you don't want to do is make a formula out of that. Everybody that's having a heart symptom, run a mile. Well, you just might kill off about 19 people with that. He wasn't making that a formula, but it was his testimony of what the Lord told him to do specifically for that case. Amen. We've heard of people in faith doing something like throw away their insulin or whatever. And you know, if God tells you to do something like that, then great. And if God speaks to you to do it, you don't have to go ask the pastor, do you think I should? If you ever ask me, do, I, do you think I should? I will automatically say no. So spare your breath. Amen. If you're having to ask, then you're, you're not sure you're hearing from God. Amen? But if you hear from God, then you obey what the Spirit of the Lord says to do. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, and, and like Brother Hagin used to say, once you know that God has spoken to you, don't confer with flesh and blood over that anymore. You get the counsel first, listen to all the things, and then go to the Lord and say, now, Lord... Here's all these options. What do I do? The Lord will give you direction. I pray this all the time. Folks, I pray this about ministry. Absolutely. I pray this about ministry. You know why I'm here preaching in this church, leading and pastoring? Because the Lord has told me to be here. No other reason. Do you realize that? In other words, I don't. I don't have anything else. So uh, somebody says, well, I hope you don't ever leave. Well, you know, I'm here as long as the Lord tells me to be here. Praise God. And um, one guy, you know, I know a pastor in Birmingham one time. One of the one of the board members got all huffy at him. You know, it's a big church. The bigger the church, the more the stakes are, you know, because there's money involved. And. uh, and power and stuff, you know. One of the board members got all huffy at him and came and said, I want you to know that I could pastor this church as good as you. And he said, uh, well, brother, I don't doubt. You know, he was a successful businessman and everything, had a lot of skills. He says, I don't doubt that. He said, there's only one problem. He says, what? He goes, I'm the pastor and you're not. <laughs> well, that sounds a little snotty, but on the other hand, there's truth to it. If we believe that God puts people in leadership, yes, amen. amen. And so that doesn't mean that, that, that he's untouchable or he's autonomous and cannot be challenged in any way or whatever. But there is some truth to the fact that, you know, you want a pastor who feels like that they have a heart to be there and that the Lord has led them there. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that in. Just in case there's ever any scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. Some folks need to get their scuttlebutt out of the way, right? Hallelujah. 
So, back to verse 5. We're going to finish this if it hairlips the devil. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Wow, that's a word. From Mary. Amen. See, you could talk to your Catholic friends about this and they would like it. Because it's a word from Mary. Verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone. Now we've got a Jewish problem because... Jesus is going to violate a custom. This is not necessarily, you know, in Moses' law, but they've added it. So all these washings and rituals and cooking things and everything. There's six water pots of stone. Now, listen to this. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. That's not pickles. That's measurement. Okay. Containing two or three firkins apiece. And so, they've got these water pots that they use for cleansing. In other words, it's like the sink. We got sink water. Now, if the Jews care about anything, they cared about uh, all these rituals and cleansings and purity and kosher and... Blessed and cursed and mild, you know, up the yin yang with all that, you know. If you don't know, if you don't know what the yin yang is, you look it up, or Frank can tell you. And um, they got a lot of they got a lot of uh, of traditions here about that. And uh, Jesus looks at that and says, I think I'll use that to turn the water into wine. Some people say, well, pastor, we don't mind your leadership as long as you don't change anything and as long as you don't upset the apple cart. Well, the problem with Jesus is he seemed to look for apple carts to overturn. I don't know. And, uh, you know, there's some balance there, but dear God, you know, he's this is not balanced. You're talking about out of balance. He is going to upset everybody if they find out where this... I don't know if they ever found out where that wine came from. I think the servants might be, might get, have gotten bribed by... You know, they get a free bottle if they don't tell where it came from or something. I don't know. But it says... Um, he said to them, Fill the water pots with water. Now, this is where I was talking about on the dynamics of a miracle where you can get to the place where you are thinking too much. Because they might have thought, well, why would we do that? Why would we fill these? We need wine. Why would we fill water possible? What does this have to do with with anything? Because they heard Mary say, they don't have any wine, Jesus. Now, let me tell you something, folks. Running out of wine at the wedding reception is not an emergency. (laughs) Unless you're an alcoholic, then it might be an emergency. But other than that, it is not an emergency. This is not a big problem. At the most, at the worst, it would just be a little bit of embarrassment. And they had already... um, you know, started the party and everything, and they've run out of wine already, and, and it's not an emergency. You know what that tells you about miracles? You can practice operating in miracles even when there's not a dire need. That's good. The first recorded miracle 
is what I don't consider life or death. People say, well, we only we only would believe for a miracle if all else fails. Well, that's, a, that's not the deal here. Here we've got the first recorded miracle is provisional. It's not a miracle of healing. It's not, right, it's not demons being cast out. It's, it's a provisional miracle. It's something that's not a necessity. They don't have to have it. They think they do, I think, yeah. to go with the food or whatever. But you know, they don't. They don't. They don't have to have it. And yet Jesus, and, let, and yet Mary said, Jesus, come with us. And he says, Well, I don't I'm not ready. Don't worry, my son. He can, he can fix it. He's the Messiah. Ask him. <laughs> don't tell that mom. You're going to get me stoned. Because he knew he had about three years, a little over. To make his case, and then they're going to kill him. He knows that. So you don't want to just walk around. Look at the story of Joseph. Look at me. I, I'm special. I'm, I'm preferred. I have this coat of many colors. Yeah, well, that got you right in the pit. You know, you want to kind of lay low about stuff. Jesus is trying to lay low. Let's just enjoy the wedding. Mary goes, no, I think you can fix this. So he says... Put the water in the pots, and this is where we could have lost this miracle right there because these guys, the servants that have to obey this, they're thinking, uh, this isn't good. Not only is it not good, this is stupid. This is a stupid move to put water into those dirty wash pots, the purifying pots, sitting there. Fill them up with water. And so... Again, our human reasoning gets in the way and think, well, why would I do that? Why would I do that? It's like when we moved to Florida uh, back in 2011, I was thinking, after we did it, I thought, what was I thinking? Why did I come here? What was the story? We helped to start another church. And that kind of didn't go too well after five minutes. And uh, I finally kind of just, you know, walked away instead of having a war. So, uh, you know, then then after that, I was thinking, well, what am I doing here, you know? And uh, then I got a call from, I got a call from David Ellis, Pastor Leon and Jeannie's son, and got a call and he says, I'm coming to your house. I have the box with the checkbook. You, you want to know how I got to be pastor of this church? Here's the story. It's very glamorous. I got a call from David. He says, I'm on my way to your house. And I've got the checkbook and the paperwork and all the, you know, the information on the church. And I'm coming to your house. And Jeannie Ellis said, take it and there, uh, uh, you're, you're it. Jeannie actually said, tag, your it. Praise the Lord. That's how I got to be. So be careful. If I come to you and say, tag, your it, you're in trouble. Can you imagine? Aren't we formal? We just do everything so, you know, it's such a deep, uh, deep, deep thought and consideration. But, you know, we sometimes you do things and you, and you second-guess it. Have you ever done that? You second-guess it. And you go, what was I thinking? Why did I do this? My God, what, you know, uh, you know, whatever. 
And then, and then it becomes apparent and the Lord opens His plan to you and you see. And you also see in life that the steps of a righteous man are truly ordered to the yeah. Lord. And you made, you made yeah. steps and did things that maybe seemed crazy yeah. at the moment. But you followed your heart and followed what you're... You, you had... Uh, you know, we sing that song, 10,000 Reasons, you know, to praise the Lord. Well, sometimes we have 10,000 reasons to not obey. To really good reasons. I mean, solid stuff, man. Arguments against it. And they, they, they could have argued, now, Jesus, uh, you being Jewish and all, you should know that we can't use these pots for anything, Lord. Because, you know, like a, like a 50s Jesus movie accent, you know. Oh, no! You know, but, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to talk like that in heaven. Oh, oh, you know. But, uh, Hollywood thinks that anything to do with the Bible has to have this big accent. So here they are, you know, this is not a good idea! Bad, we're all going to get stoned here. We got the Sanhedrin, they're part of the party, maybe. I don't know. They got big shots there. There's a governor of the feast. Who gets a governor for the feast? That's quite a feast. We have to have a governor. All right, so he tells them to do it, and they do it. Step two, verse eight. He said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And that's even scarier. Because they got to take wash pot water and serve it to the governor of the feast. They're probably thinking, how did I get scheduled for this event? But they did it anyway. Just do it. Dynamics of a miracle. Number one, whatever he says to you, do it. Number two, don't let human reasoning talk you out of it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, tasted the water, Tasted the water that was made wine, which tells us something. It did not turn into wine until the guy took a sip. I bet you the servants, Brother Frank, I bet the servants just stood there like, holy camoli. That's not other tongues, camoli, by the way. I think it's Yiddish. Praise God. He says, he says, uh, I bet they, I bet they were like, oh, I bet all the oxygen went out of the room and the guy is going to taste this wash pot water. It's supposed to be wine. It's supposed to be something fine and refined and good and cool. And it is going to taste this wash pot swill. And he, and, he, and, he, and he takes it. And look at that. He says, he said, the ruler of the feast had tasted, I love this, tasted the water that was made wine and, the, and knew not whence it was. Look at this. But the servants which drew the water knew. Oh, yeah, they knew. They knew. Their heads were on the line, man. I mean, this is bad. If this goes bad, if this miracle Jesus did, if his stuff doesn't work, we're all in trouble. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto the bridegroom. He didn't say it to Jesus. He said it to the bridegroom. 
Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou, See, that's why they ran out. They drank all the other stuff. But thou hast kept the good wine, or the best wine, until now. That was the perfection of Jesus. Somebody said, well, why did Jesus, when he turned the water into wine, why did he make it the, the best? Or why was it the best served there that day? Because that's the only kind of wine he would know how to make. Jesus doesn't do half done things in your life. Folks, you get a healing from God and it's a real deal. When God provides, he over does it. Aren't you glad he's not just barely get along? L, 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 barely get along. He's El Shaddai. One guy said, I, sometimes I think he's El Nicotine. He just comes from the Nicotine. But he's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Amen? If you want to speak Spanish, just put L on the front and O on the end. You got it. All right. That's a, that's a dumb joke. Okay. Thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. So this is it, the Bible calls this an actual miracle. It says it's the beginning. It's the first recorded miracle. And it is a miracle like this is a what? A manifestation of the glory of God. And his disciples believed on him. They didn't just take his word for it. There was signs and wonders and proof of what he was saying. Amen? Amen. Does this help you today? Praise God. I don't care what problem you have in your life or how big or how impossible it seems. There is an answer. There is a direction. There is something. Praise God. I've learned through this, and I can just I can keep you here till this time tomorrow telling you stories, testimonies. But I'm telling you what, there's been so many times where I didn't know where to turn, what to do, what the next step, what's the direction. And I've gone to the Lord and thank God I know I know better than to just beg and beg and beg and plead and say, Lord, do this, touch, help. Oh, 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 Jesus, please. You know, I know better than that. I go to the Lord and I say, first of all, Lord, I thank you. Like they prayed in Acts. You've heard me preach that before. They prayed and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and all that's in heaven and earth. You're establishing God's authority. And uh, and then, uh, and Jesus, you died on the cross, shed your blood, was buried, rose again for me. And I rose with you. And I know that your word is your will. And I'm taking your word. And I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I need your touch. I need your help. I need your direction. Now, Lord, lead me. Guide me. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. What's the next step? What direction do we go? How many believe he'll lead you? How many believe he'll guide you? How many believe that he hears you when you pray? He doesn't just turn a blind ear. A blind ear. That would be something, wouldn't it? A blind eye and a deaf ear. To your blooper number or whatever. Let's keep it track. He, he, uh, that's a sad deal. A blind ear. 
a blind eye or a deaf ear to your to your to your your need. He cares. I sometimes you thought, does anybody care what I'm going through? Jesus cares. He knows. He cares. He's 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 not slack when it comes to uh, compassion. The Bible says that that uh, we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. An infirmity there can mean sickness, it can mean lack, it can mean uh, ignorance, it can mean a lot of things. We all have an infirmity of some kind going on. But he's not, not, he is not not moved by that. (laughs) Amen. That's a double negative uh, word there. But we have a uh, uh, we have a high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmity, and he is ever before the throne of God pleading our case. What's he pleading? What's what? What is the what is the uh, authority that he's pleading? His own blood. Amen. He's standing before the throne of God saying, "I died for them. I shed my blood for them." Paid the price for them. And then he claims the victory, the blessing of Abraham on our behalf. So what we do is we get an agreement with that. Amen. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? Lord. Glory to God. Well, let's stand up together and just lift our hands and thank God. Amen. If anyone needs prayer for healing this morning, we, uh, we do anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith in this church for divine healing. We believe God according to James 5. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Amen. So if there's someone that needs a healing this morning, if you'll come forward right now, we'll pray that prayer of faith. Amen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll remember her in prayer. Amen. Yeah, Denise. I talked to Susan. Yeah. Yeah, Susan. Susan. She's not doing her. Oh. She has one condition, Epstein Barr, but she also Mm. is very tired and and her throat has been swollen with the glands since she left here. Okay. And they don't know why, so they're sending her to a specialist. Okay. She has no energy. Um, she's just. Okay. Not in a good place. All right. Well, Lord, we we lift up these requests to you. Today, they're not here to receive prayer, but Lord, we can we know that there's no distance in prayer. Lord, we thank you for touching Geraldine this morning, touching uh, Susan, uh, who Susan and Butch are part of the church. Lord, we thank you for touching her and helping her today and, and uh, ministering. We just minister the words of health and healing and blessing and strength to them. Father, we continue to uplift Sheree up to you. Yes. We thank you this morning. We are in agreement yes. that she's healed and whole according to the word of God. Yes. No weapon formed against her will prosper. Yes. Father, thank you that your healing power is operating in her body to uh, to heal this uh, her body from the surgeries. And also uh, continue to stand in faith for her total healing and wholeness in every way in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your healing touch, your healing power today, the victory that's in Jesus. The first song we sang today, we mean it from our heart, that we have victory in Jesus. He is our Savior. 
Jesus, you are our healer and our Lord. We give you praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's give a clap to the, to the Lord today for his goodness. And you are dismissed. God bless you. Oh, there you go. She'll do it. Yeah, all right. That's great.